Well, I appreciate y'all clapping for me, but I have a feeling that's just kind of payback for clapping for Brother Wayne all the time on Wednesday night. <laughs> but that's all right. If I write missionary letters, I'll make sure I use a lot of native tongue in there. <laughs> Tell you what, let's have a word of prayer and we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for just the opportunity to be here this evening, Father. I pray that your Holy Spirit would have free reign. Father, I pray that I would be a vessel that you would use, dear Lord. Father, I pray that you uh, would flow freely. I pray that any enemy that would uh, <clears throat> try to set it not your work, Father, I pray that you turn them away. And I pray that uh, you would be glorified, dear Lord. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> turn this on and see if it works. The last couple times I put these on in here anyway, I was uh, slow motion Sam. Can y'all hear me all right? Okay. I was slow motion Sam and then I was an angry father. <laughs> I don't know which mic I've got today. <laughs> um, I, the message I'm going to bring this, this evening is one that I was actually able to uh, God laid on my heart with this message. And uh, just a couple of basic ones. One, when I was trying to write the message, I was on a plane and there we go. Hey, yeah, look, look. it's Linda's fault. I said, can you hear me? And she's like, yes. So <laughs> I listened to her. Uh, she was just wanting to go to sleep. Uh, anyway, so I was next to Brother Joe as I was trying to type it. So every now and then I might have some nonsense joke or pun in there. But it's his fault. Um, and also I did preach in Ghana, so I was preaching through an uh, interpreter. So this may be a little shorter than what it was in Ghana, but if I feel like it's going too fast... I'll, uh, I'll go into slow motion Sam mode, and I'll try to keep us on schedule. Uh, if you would, turn to Exodus chapter 3. Wait a minute, Josh. I want you to feel better while you're up here. <laughs> <laughs> and then that happened. <laughs> All right, so I guess I'll talk about that for a second. <laughs> So, so the last time, am I, I'm loud now, aren't I? Okay. So, so the last time that this was brought up in public, uh, <laughs> we come back from Ghana, and, you know, I mean, Joe really enjoyed taking the pictures, uh, but we get up here, and, and I, wasn't, I wasn't thinking. I mean, I knew it was going to happen. Joe had the ammunition. At some point, it was going to happen. The pictures were going to come out, and everybody's going to see me holding another man's hand. I made peace with that. So much to the point to where when it flashes on there and it's, I don't know who, I know who holds tomorrow and I know who holds my hand and there I am holding another man's hand. And I'm sitting here and that goes through and I get the opportunity to come up here and clarify, I forget. <laughs> so I just let everybody know I held the man's hand and don't try to explain what happened. But now I'm going to use that opportunity to kind of explain why I walked around holding a man's hand, but I can't explain that. <laughs> So when, we, when you go out in Ghana, um, holding a man's hand is not the same as walking around in, say, L.A., holding a man's hand. Um, it's, it's more of, a, I guess it would be a, a sign of maybe respect or friendship as, as men get closer. Come here, come here, come here. <laughs> And we had went into a village, and we were, we were out there, and we were 
working on starting a crusade out in that village. And as we did, a gentleman who really wanted a church, a church, came up and he was showing me around, showing us where we could have the crusade and everything. And he reached out and grabbed my hand. Well, when he did, I was so thankful that Brother Mike, the last time I was in Ghana, explained to me that that was not what you think it is. So it was like, he, I was standing there just, and he grabbed my hand and I went, Joe, Joe, we got to go. <laughs> and Joe's like, yeah, we do. <laughs> so just so everyone knows, I'm not the one who initiated that. <laughs> and uh, it was for a good cause. Um, we can turn to uh, Exodus chapter 3. I, uh, I had somebody ask me a question, or I had a question, I guess, brought to me that was, truthfully, it was one that kind of makes you think. Um, it was, tell me about your walk with God. And that's one where, if you're not careful, it could be something that you could be prideful about, the way you say it. It could be something that you're humble about. It could be something that, truthfully, how do you explain that? You know, I mean, there's, there's so much that we go through in our lives. It's how do, you, how do you explain your relationship with God or how do you explain God? And it's one of those things where you sit there and at first you think, yeah, I should be able to explain this. And then also at the same time, it's like, I, I don't know how. I'm not sure. Uh, but then I thought of another question. Even, even beyond that is, how would God describe my relationship with him? Because, I mean, if I want to, I can deceive myself. I can say, hey, I got a great relationship with God. And God goes, really? Nobody told me. Uh, but here, here in the Bible, we actually have the opportunity to see a person in here where God exp explains and describes a relationship that he has with a, with a human being. Um, so we're going to start off in Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, verse 2, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire in the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that, he turned aside to see. God, God called out to him out of the midst of the, of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from, from off thy feet, for the place wherein thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Now, flip over to Numbers chapter 12. So in that uh, passage that we just read, Moses is walking. He's uh, tending the sheep of his father-in-law. And as he walks, he looks, he sees a bush on fire. And as he looks at it, he realizes this bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed. So then he goes a little closer to it as a curiosity. And he looks at it, and then the Lord begins to speak out to him out of that bush. And when it dawns on Moses that the person speaking to him is God Almighty, he hides his face from the bush. He won't even look on the bush because he's afraid to look on God. Now, if we look at Numbers chapter 12, uh, and we'll start in verse 4. 
it says, And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out, ye three, unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. And the Lord came down in a pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. Now listen to this. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all, my, in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And in the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So now we see God has this moment where Aaron and Miriam, they were giving Moses a hard time here. And he calls them out and says, you know, you want to speak evil about Moses? Let me tell you something about Moses. You know, I'll, I'll talk to a prophet, maybe in a dream, maybe in a dark saying. But now with Moses, I'll speak to him mouth to mouth. He sees the form of me. Why would you think it light to talk against my servant Moses? But the interesting part here is, this isn't Moses saying, defending himself, saying, I see God, I talk to God, I have a relationship with God, why are you messing with me? This is God coming down and saying, this is my servant Moses. So my question is, how did this Moses, who was afraid to even look on a bush that was burning, end up being the same Moses that has a conversation with God, speaks mouth to mouth, and sees the form of God, and lives? Because we as human beings, we like to look at situations like this, this passage with Moses. We believe this passage happened. As Christians, we believe that. We don't, we don't believe it's a fable. We don't believe it's a fairy tale. At least I hope we don't. Um, I don't. But a lot of times we like to put in our mind and we like to hold Moses up to a higher standard and go, well, that was Moses. You know, God used Moses to do these things because he's Moses. Well, hang on a second. Moses was wanted for murder at one point in time. So how does Moses get from the point of being Moses, hiding his face, scared to death of the burning bush, to Moses, who God comes down and defends him and says, this is my servant? What happens there? Because I, I, I believe, I can't help but believe that God has the same character and he's faithful day in, day out, yesterday, today, and forever, always the same. I know this. And I know that there's no respecter of persons with God. So if I can find out how Moses achieved such an outstanding relationship with the Lord, maybe I can obtain that same relationship or strive for it. So as we go through this, it's real easy for us to step back and go, well, this is Moses and this is Old Testament. And we can say all these things, but let's get it straight right now. God is God. So let's look at um, Exodus chapter 33. I think this, this passage here, <clears throat> we see a lot of things. We can glean a whole lot of Moses' personality, a whole lot of how he interacted with God, a whole lot of what he valued and what he thought was important. Can you all hear me fine or is it? Okay. Uh, my wife's pointing at her ear trying to be subtle, but I'm. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, thank you, honey. Now I don't know where I'm at. All right, let's pray. No. <laughs> So, uh, I'll pay for that too. 
so anyway, in Exodus chapter 33, we can go back and now we can look at um, kind of how Moses deals with situations. And we can look at a, uh, a time where he has a conversation with the Lord. Now, in Exodus chapter 33, before we start reading, I'll just give you a little bit of background of what's going on at this point in history. So the children of Israel had left, left the uh, Egyptians. They had went to uh, Mount Sinai. Moses goes up the mountain. He's up there, and while he's up there, if you remember the story, they build the, the calf. Moses comes down. He's angry, and he breaks all Ten Commandments at once. And he comes down, and he punishes the people. And then after that, God comes to Moses, and that's here in chapter 33. It says this in verse 1. And the Lord said to Moses, Depart. And go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it, and I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, unto the land, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. So now God's talking to Moses, and Moses is hearing some, some news at this point. The pillar of cl cloud, the pillar of fire that's led them has been God's presence. And God says, you know what? These people are stiff-necked. They, they just made it. The Ten Commandments didn't even make it off the mountain for they're breaking them. And he gets down there, and God says, that's fine. You know what? I'm going to keep my promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will send the children of Israel to the promised land, but I won't be in the midst of it. I'll send my angel, and he'll take care of it. And let's look at what happens next. <clears throat> uh, verse 4, it says, And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, and no man put on him his ornaments. And the Lord... For the Lord had said unto Moses, Say unto the children of Israel, Ye are a stiff-necked people. I will come up in the, into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore now put off thine ornaments from off thee, uh, from thee, that I may know what to do with thee. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. Now look at what Moses does. And Moses took the tabernacle. Now this is not the tabernacle. It's not been built yet. This is a tent. Okay? The took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp afar off from the camp and called it the tabernacle of the congregation and it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation which was without the camp so the first thing that we see Moses doing is he's establishing a meeting place with God he takes this tent and if you pay attention to the wording there he takes the tent and he builds it without the camp away from the camp not only does he place it away from the camp, afar off from the camp. In other words, to go to this tabernacle, to this tent, there's only one purpose to go, and that's to meet with the Lord. And, let's be honest, it's inconvenient. You can't, if you need to go grocery shopping, you're not going by the, by the tabernacle on the way to the store, right? I mean, you're walking away, and for one purpose and one purpose alone, and that is to be inconvenienced to seek the Lord. Now let me ask you, and I ask myself, are we faithful in inconveniencing ourselves to seek Him? In the morning time, when we're tired, 
And we know that we've got a full schedule. And it's much more convenient, at least in our mind and in our eyes, to go, you know what? I can get this and this and this and this done if I just get started on it now. Or are we willing, are we seeking God enough? Do we want the relationship that Moses has bad enough to where we are willing to inconvenience ourselves? You see, in this world that we live in, especially in America, to be inconvenienced is, is a sin. Don't you inconvenience me. If I got to wait in line for more than five minutes, something's wrong and I'm talking to a manager. That's the world we live in. But now, here's Moses, leader of all these people. And he, on purpose, not just builds a tent to meet with God, but he builds it afar off to be inconvenienced. And let me tell you why I believe that is. I believe that is, is because between the camp and the tent, we have a lot of time to work out some of the stresses, to work out some of the heartache and the grind of the day. So the neighbor says something to you on your way out, and it makes you mad. You know what? You still got several steps before you get to the tabernacle to get your heart right, to get your mind right before you meet with the Lord. Now, I'm guilty of this, so understand I'm human. I understand that, but I believe if I'm human, everybody else is. How many times do we get up in the morning and go, okay, I'm going to read my Bible because i got to read my Bible and i got this and this and this and this to do. But we never prepare our mind before we go into it. And we read two, three chapters, whatever it is we set that we're going to read. And then when we get towards the end of it, things finally starting to loosen up, but it's time to go. And we shut the book and we move on. So my question is, are we willing to inconvenience ourselves when we set up not just a meeting place, not just a time to pray and read our Bible, but a time to set every other care aside, every other problem aside, and then meet with the Lord. You see, I think Moses knew what he was doing. So the first thing is he did set up, he established a meeting place at his own inconvenience. Very important. The second thing, let's look at uh, chapter 33, and we'll uh, pick up in verse 9. And it came to pass... As Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. Pay attention to the wording there. It says, as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended. <laughs> this, of all things, that I look at this, and, I, and it, it's shocking to me. Because, again, this is Moses, and we can look at it, and we can easily isolate Moses and not look at our own lives. But here's Moses. He walks in, and before he gets in the tabernacle, God's ready to meet. God is sitting there waiting on Moses. He is sitting there waiting to meet with one of his people, one that's willing to go out and be inconvenienced to meet with him. God's just waiting. And he says, you know what? You come, and when you're ready, I will meet with you. I think about the story of, Adam and Eve. God went down to the cool of the day, meet with them, and where were they? They were hidden. Right? What about us? When we get to that place, first off, are we even ready to meet with him? Number two, when we're doing this, are we in the mindset and understanding that he is there and that he does want to have that relationship with us? 
Because that's a God, <laughs> the God of all creation, waiting at the door. Waiting at the door. So in the morning when we wake up and we look at our schedule and we go, I've got to get going this and going this, and God's sitting here going, but I'm waiting. No, but you don't understand, God. I got to get the kids to school and I got to go grocery shopping. I got to get to work. I got to do these things. And God goes, but I'm waiting. And we will rush through our lives. And we can easily excuse it away and say, that's Moses. I'm not Moses. No, 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 no. Moses met with God because he made it a priority. And we too can meet with God if we choose to make that a priority. All right. Let's look at uh, verse 11 in chapter 33. It then says, and the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh to his friend. There's a couple things in this verse. So now here we got it. Moses walks out of the camp. And I didn't read the whole verses in there, but as he walks out, it's amazing to me because all the Israelites, remember now he's walking out afar off into the tabernacle. All the Israelites see Moses out to meet with God. What do they do? They go out to the door of their tent and they watch this happen. They don't leave their tent to go out there and meet with God themselves. They watch somebody else meet with God. And, and Moses walks out there and as soon as he gets there, God comes down and they watch Moses speaking to God face to face. But what's interesting about this passage here, it says, as a man, the Lord talked with Moses as a man talks to his friend. It doesn't say to his neighbor, to an acquaintance, to a co-worker. This is God speaking to his friend. So there's a couple things here. Number one, we need to pick up the fact that Moses developed a relationship with God, a friendship with God. It wasn't just about, I need to knock this off my schedule. It's not about, I'm, I just can't be inconvenienced. It was about, I am going to be inconvenienced so that I can meet with God, so that I can develop a relationship with God. But the other thing is here, it says, the Lord talked with Moses. It doesn't say that Moses talked to the Lord as a man speaks to his friend. It says that the Lord talked to Moses. How often, when we do have our time of prayer and reading our Bible, do we actually shut down enough, meditate enough, to where we allow the Holy Spirit, Almighty, God Almighty, come to us and talk to us for a little bit? We're so quick to shoot off what our desires and what our needs are and everything else is going on in the world. But when do we shut down for a minute and say, what do you need from me, Lord? When does that happen? No, because... Unfortunately, in our day and age, convenience rules. In our day and age, God, make my life convenient. That's what we look for. A lot of our prayers, not all of them, and I'm not, we ask God for this, we ask God for that, we ask God for this. We, but how often do we offer to God? How often do we offer of ourselves to God? How often do we offer of our time to God and of our money to God? How often do we do that? He'll use us. But we got to hear him speak. Now, up to this point, as we've uh, as we watch this scenario unfold, this um, Moses speaking with God, all we've done up to this point is we've watched him. 
No conversation has really taken place. We see that they're speaking as a, as a man speaks to his friend. And we see that they're there, but we haven't heard one word uttered yet. So all we're doing now is, is we've seen, but here it takes a change. Um, in uh, chapter 33, verse 12, now we actually get to listen into the conversation between Moses and God. Uh, and Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know uh, whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. So now, all right, in Ghana, <clears throat> when, uh, when we had the opportunity to go see the chief, right? Um, I had never been in that situation before. I'm very thankful that we had uh, John with us, the interpreter. There's a lot of tradition. There's a lot of uh, steps that you'll go through as you're meeting with somebody, especially like a chief. And as you go in there, there's a place to sit and a greeting. And, but one of the things the chief will ask you is, what is your mission, right? He wants to know, why have you come to me? Okay. So now here in this conversation, Moses is talking with God. We're able to sit here and take a look and see, what is Moses' mission? Why is Moses going to God in the first place? We've talked about, yeah, he built a, a tent and he set it afar off so that he could have his mind right and ready to go. We've met, uh, he's going to meet with God. But now we're looking at why, what is driving Moses to walk out there to meet with God? And as we go through this, he says in verse 15, and he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, Carry us up, not up hence. Now, God has promised to take the children of Israel into the promised land, a land of blessing, right? Milk and honey, rest. And Moses says, but hang on a second, God. I don't want blessing. I want your presence. Hey, you know what? Give me blessing. That's fine. But God, I want your presence. Don't send an angel. I want you, God. So now we get to start to see where's Moses at? Where, does it, where is his heart at? Is his, if he's just about taking the children of Israel into the promised land because that's his goal, that's what God called him to do, if that's his only concern, well, guess what? He's got no reason to talk to God anymore because he's already said, yeah, you'll get them. But we find Moses tarrying in the tabernacle speaking with God. Why? Because it's not enough for blessing. It's not enough to be successful. We need God's presence. He said, you know what, God? If I don't have your presence, leave me in the wilderness. I'd rather have manna than eat the grapes. I'd rather have to depend on you out here in the wilderness than leave you in the wilderness. Where does that rank up with our prayer life? All too often we go to God and say, God, I need money for this bill. God, I need this. God, I need that. God, I need this. And then when we say and we open up our heart and say, these are all the things I need, God, 
We ask this all in Jesus' name, amen. And that's where we drop it off. We drop it off many, many, many times with just, God, give me blessings, give me blessings, give me blessings. But Moses didn't stop there. He said, you know what, God? Take the blessings. I don't want the blessings. I want your presence. And as I look at this, I go, God, help me. Help me to be the kind of man Moses was. Help me not to look at you like a spoiled brat would look at his father. God, you're not, you're not there to please me. God, I want to please you. And I want your presence. But lastly, <clears throat> I want you to look at... Um, Yeah, look at verse 18. And we're going to read the rest of the chapter here. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, thou canst not see my face. For there is no man, for, I'm sorry, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass while my glory passes by, that I will put thee in the cliff of the rock, and cover thee with my hand while I pass by, and I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen started off asking a question or a question that was posed to me how would I describe my walk with God and then how God would describe my walk with him but as I look at Moses here let's look at all that just happened he walks out to his tabernacle and as he walks out there God's waiting to meet with him so he meets with God let me tell you something, just meeting with God is awesome. But Moses doesn't stop with just meeting with God. He then has a relationship with God, and they speak face to face. Let me tell you something, that's awesome. But Moses doesn't stop speaking face to face. He says, God, I want your presence with me as I go. In other words, at the end of prayer time when we're meeting, I want you there with me anyway. I want your presence. And God says, fine, you can have my presence. But Moses is not satisfied. Even with God's presence, he says, show me your face. I want to see you and your glory. I guess really this is a question. It all boils down to one question. Are you satisfied? Are you satisfied with the walk with God that you have? And I can tell you this, if you say yes, whew, something's wrong. Something's wrong. That's what life is truly, truly about. We can look at everything else in the world. There's a reason why God said, it says, faithful is he that called you who also will do it. The reason why that is, is our part 
is just to be submitted to him and to seek his face and to have a relationship with him. And he takes care of all the rest. But our job is to seek him. That's the most important thing. But how are we doing on that most important thing? Um, I'll read this and then I'll let preacher come up. Uh, Psalms 42, verse 12. I'm sorry, verse 1 and 2, I put a comment in there. It says, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? We have that opportunity. We have it in our grasp. Every opportunity that we pass up to pray, to read our Bible, to meet with God, is when we pass up. Our purpose why we were created so it just again this one question are you satisfied with your walk with God are you satisfied with your relationship with God preacher I um, I don't I don't know about you, but it, the whole time as I heard Josh speak, I sensed that this wasn't uh, something, a truth that he found. It was a life that's been transformed. It's the presence of the Lord in his life. Most people that don't live it never understand that there's a there's a a time period that we call our time of the Lord that really is just a clearing out time to get all the stuff out of your head, get all the stuff away so that you can actually focus on hearing God. I um I feel like there's nothing else to, to do. I, I believe that without a doubt, God is wanting us to, to right now just answer the question that he asked. What do we really desire? And truly, it's not his blessing, it's his presence. Because with his presence comes everything else. But his presence. I'd just like to give us an opportunity and if we just to stand, uh, we don't even have to have music tonight because I want to give everybody that opportunity. Let's all stand if you'd like to come to the altar with our heads bowed and eyes closed. You, you can come, just come on to the altar or at your seat, wherever, but you heard not a message, I think you heard a transformed life, a life that's growing, seeking God.
I couldn't be more thrilled, more convicted, more encouraged. I would, uh, I would love for all of you to look at me. I'd love for all of us to just make a commitment to pray for them uh, as they prepare. We've got about another, I don't know, maybe a month and a half, five, six weeks uh, before they leave. Uh, just continue to, to pray for them, to have grace and, and wisdom. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, <coughs> I am so blessed and encouraged because I just heard a man that's learned the truth tonight that'll take him to any place to do any work and a truth that a lot of men that serve God their whole life never learn but I you know I don't worry about them because the location doesn't matter to God if you seek his presence where you are doesn't matter uh, I told somebody the other day and I really believe this I think that that it's a great opportunity for Josh Emily for the family because with all the adversity so to speak that you face in Africa the one thing that I believe also that you have is a great opportunity as a family 
to turn off all the world and seek God. Just to seek him. Just to be in his presence. Just to know him. And I love it because that's, that's I believe, in many ways, the theme of, I believe, why God brought us here. I believe it's why God's brought Mike and Brooke here and family. I, I believe that's what, that's what God wants of Calvary Baptist Church, for us to seek his presence. Well, that was fantastic. I loved it, enjoyed it. I'm thrilled. So um, I'll tell you what, um, Mike, you 